Welcome to DNS North Podcast. My name is Philip Kaskrain, and I'm joined tonight by my co-hosts, Adrienne Marshall and Dan Byers. How are you, Adrienne? I'm great, thanks. Yourself? I'm great. And you, Dan? I'm good. For this episode, we have our workshop trainer, Daniel Steinberg, joining us. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing great, thanks. Great. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do? I'm based just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, and have been a teacher for many years. And so now I'm teaching Swift workshops and iOS 9 workshops and was a mathematician by training and just having a ball. Amazing. That sounds great. And uh, you were, you say you're a teacher before. You're a math teacher? I have, I have a PhD in mathematics. Oh, very good. I'm a differential geometer, and so I used to teach high school and college and all various levels. How did you make that transition then into what you're doing now? I wanted to keep my kids near their grandparents, and if I wanted to stay in academia, we would have had to move away, and so it was easier for me to change what I did than to change where we were. There we go. Practical man. So you're uh, so you're self-employed right now. You run your own uh, company. Uh, what's what's the main uh, what are the main services that you tend to provide? The name of the company is Dim Sum Thinking, and um, it's associated with a, a book publishing company that I run, also called Editors Cut. And so I do write books, I do training, I do contract consulting for companies, just a little bit of everything. You seem to be a very busy guy. You're you're always uh, moving around to, to some other location in the world, it seems, to uh, either speaking at a conference or giving uh, some kind of a training session. And I'm really looking forward to being with you guys at NS North in Toronto. Yeah, can't wait to see you up here. It'll be lots of fun. It's warm, don't worry. <laughs> you're not that far from Cleveland. You can't fool me. Oh, my goodness. Would you believe we don't even have any snow here? Yeah, we're very, yeah, we, it's been so warm here. It's uh, very little snow left up here, too, in Ottawa. <laughs> so what led you to the Mac um, as, as your main platform of, uh, of work? Oh, I've been on the Mac forever. Um, my first Mac that I bought with my own money was a Mac 2VX in the, in the 80s. And uh, I did a lot of my research on it and writing on it and have just stayed there ever since. And when the Mac moved to OS 10, so I'd been there with System 7 and System 8, and they moved to OS 10, it was just wonderful. There were so many things we could now do, and I haven't looked back. Awesome. And uh, when did you first learn how to program? Wow. <laughs> how, many, how many years? Did it involve punch <laughs> cards? <laughs> well, before punch cards, it involved paper tape. And so we used to save first on paper tape and then on uh, cassette players and then finally on punch cards. That was a big advance. I started on the on the the cassette players on the Commodore sixty four. So that was probably after I I just missed the uh, the punch card era. Mm -hmm. So with the uh, with a lot of the books that you seem to be writing these days, it's all very Swift oriented. What what's the uh, what are some of the books you've uh, that's in your repertoire right now? So the one that, that, as you say, the one that I'm updating, it seems all the time because it's it's electronic. So every time Apple Rev Swift, we update the book, uh, is the Swift Kickstart. And it was one of those just lucky things, uh, you know, throughout my career, I've been lucky to guess on a couple of things that were coming. And it, it just made sense that Apple was working on a language and that I hoped they would release it then. And so I 
already taken the summer off saying I want to write the first book on this and it's just been a great ride. So this is this would be one book where you recommend people get the ebook not the paper book. There is no paper book. Okay. Uh, and so <laughs> ah, okay. that was very deliberate because, you know, in something that moves this quickly, as soon as it's out, it's changed. Yeah, even at the point release of Xcode, we got Xcode 721 and it made some breaking changes. So, yeah. And so the book gets updated and on we go. Actually, is there is there a predetermined schedule that you tend to try to operate under, or is it pretty much based on when they release the betas? And it's based on the betas, and and again, we've been lucky that Apple has let us know what's coming now, and so with the open sourcing of Swift, we can make more plans. Uh, we don't know what's coming in in Xcode itself, so some changes to Playgrounds have also meant that I've had to change the book. But I've written twelve updates to the book so far. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Those are published on iBooks, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's that's right. So the does is that uh, the same as an the app review process where you get the book review and it gets to go to an, uh, somebody and then it gets published, or is it faster? Uh, it can be faster. It can be slower. So uh, it it has some of the same vagaries. The updates have been pretty quick. Uh, the first editions of books can take a while, but every once in a while there'll be a week where I'm saying, "Where is it?" But for the most part, they've been pretty responsive. So going back to your uh, the, the the various training and teaching that you do, um, what would you say is like the the amount of time that you spend doing that? Like, do you do you try to keep a good ratio to kind of keep yourself sane? You know, like I'm sure the the schedules that that you that you'd have to keep to be traveling everywhere to 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 do training it might be pretty must be pretty taxing on your system. Like, do you, do you find that you can achieve a pretty good balance? Or well, part of the balance is just. To be an honest teacher, I think you have to write actual code. And so uh, if I spend too much time writing books or training, I'm spending too much of my time in, in little toy projects. And so then I need to spend some time on a on a longer project working for somebody. Uh, and then the other thing is now that my daughter's in college, my wife can come with me when I travel. So that's a lot of why I'm saying yes a lot lately. So in the um, you obviously contribute a lot in terms of the teaching and the books and the uh, and the community at large. But do you have uh, maybe a more um, community like is there a local community that you contribute to or something like that? We have a great community here in Cleveland. Uh, there's of course the Cocoa Heads, and then there's just a group of people that I can bounce things off of, and we're lucky to have just a real strong group of folks that think deeply. And then as you know. We have an online community, too. One of the nice things about speaking at all these conferences and attending all these conferences is I've made a lot of friends over the years that, you know, I can ping and say, hey, uh, what do you think of this? And it's just a great conversation that once you get to know somebody, you can continue that online. Now, it looks like from from your blog that you do a lot of education with children as well. How do, how do you do that? Is there a coding school that you go through? Is this an online course that you teach? How does that work? So this has become sort of my, my big passion now is I've been thinking a lot about how do we teach kids and what Apple's given us with Playgrounds makes it a lot easier to do things that we just couldn't do in this world anymore. So you mentioned that the Commodore that you used to program on, uh, I used to teach math and that's what I would do my examples on. And it was very easy to do animations and, and very cool little things that you know, anymore now in a, in a modern programming language, you're compiling, you're building, there's that lag. So Playgrounds has sort of brought us back to those days. And so I'm exploring some of the things that we did 20 or, or more years ago. Uh, and so I've 
written a version of, of turtle logo for a playground and I bring kids along that way. They tell the turtle to move forward and left and right and they explore how to program that way. And how do you feel the, the kids respond to that? We've run it uh, in, in person. We ran a workshop in Denver before uh, 360i Dev last year, and it went very well. We had 15 kids there. Uh, we're going to run it in Japan at the end of this month oh, amazing. at TriSwift, and I'm working on a book that goes with it. And then what's been really nice is parents have written back from experiments they've made with – I have it up on GitHub – uh, with experiments they've made with it, and they've suggested great changes, things that I just hadn't thought about that have made it much better. Ah, oh, is that ever nice? They, you know, getting that kind of contributions, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's really positive feedback. So when you're not teaching or gallivanting around the world doing all these great things, what are your interests really outside of development and writing and, and um, the community in general? Well, As, as you talk to me now, it's a, it's a very important night because tomorrow the U.S. competes in the World Bread Championships held every four years. Didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, last time they competed, they came in second. They got the silver medal. So, you know, we're really hoping Team USA does well. So bre bread baking is a big thing for me. So you said you said the world the world bread as in the gluten and stuff. Yep, it's the Coupe de Monde in Paris. It's held every four years, and uh, tomorrow is, is the U.S.'s turn. Oh my goodness! Are you a baker, Daniel? I am. It's it's one of my passions, and uh, b bakers, bread bakers, don't bake from recipes. They bake from formulas, and so one of my books is is teaching people how to do baker's math. And so you usually get baker's formulas in terms of percentages, and you need to know how to scale them up or down to, to make the amount you want to make. That is super fascinating. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The, the, main, the main addition to our kitchen recently was that we built the kitchen around is the new, um, a new mixer, a stand mixer. And the second addition to that would, was just a, a digital scale because it makes things so much easier. The digital scale will change the way you bake. Absolutely. Have you heard of the book Ratio by Michael Ruhlman? I have. He actually lives right here in Cleveland. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Small world. Yeah, that's, that's one of my go-tos for just figuring out the form. I'm, a, I'm also a, a, an engineer at heart, so looking at the formulas behind all of this, I'm, as a mathematician, it must be fascinating. Mm -hmm. So how, how often do you uh, allow yourself to bake? So when I'm home, I try to bake fairly often, and you'll often find me tweeting pictures of what I'm doing. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that. And getting critiques from friends. Uh, but when I'm traveling, of course, I can't do that that much. So there's people that travel that bring their own coffee stuff. You don't bring your own uh, flour and stuff at the hotel. No, but what's <laughs> awesome is once you get known as someone who's passionate about bread, people come to conferences and bring me bread that they've made. And oh it's, it's just wonderful to see what they've done. Oh, that's cool. Now, do you bring back recipes from the places you travel to, or do you stick to more traditional baking? What's If people will share, share recipes with me, I, I'm happy to take them. I'm very recipe-bound, so I, I, when we go to restaurants in cities that I like, if they have a cookbook, I'm just a sucker for that. Oh, that's awesome. So you must have quite the collection of cookbooks. Uh, my wife is not too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, like, what's what's your favorite recipe then? Like, what do you what do you like to like in in terms of like a, a bread type or a dinner or whatever? Well, I just took a class in Boston last fall on German rye breads, and so that's been something that I've been experimenting with lately. 
Jeez, they have an entire class on German rye bread? <laughs> At least one. <laughs> that was that was just the intro. You get the 100 level, the 200 level. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> at the 100 level. I have to say, this conversation took a wildly unexpected turn for me, but I'm fascinated. <laughs> Keep on going. What I really love about bread is how it brings us to the the, the cradle of humanity, really, because it's it's how we started uh, with the with yeast and everything to get to get these these things that rise is really going to it's an anthropological study basically. And you look at how many cultures have the similarities. How many have a something that's like a flatbread or a tortilla or you know pita? It's just so cross cultural. Everybody has these same things that we roll food in and eat. Thanks so much for joining us, Daniel. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Uh, on my website, dimsumthinking.com. All right. You can learn more about our conference by visiting our website at nsnorth.ca. Also, be sure to check out our blog as we frequently post news and announcements there and on our Twitter feed at NSNorth. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time as we introduce and you will get to know more about another great speaker. Adrienne, how can people get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter, probably a bit too much. I'm at Adrian RM. And Dan, how can people get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter at underscore Dan Byers. And I am at Philip C on Twitter, and you can email me at phil at nsnorth.ca. See you soon. Mm-hmm.